Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host today, Adam Chop, and today with me is I have a trio. I have Yaz, Dave, and Steve out of London, UK with The Fitting Rooms. Guys, how are we doing today? Very good, thank you. Awesome, I appreciate you. Appreciate you being on the show today and, you know, taking some time to to talk about your experiences and your perspective on the industry and, you know, all good things that you're doing, so. Thank you, excited to be here. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, great for you. Well, with that being said, um, I'll open up to y'all. Whoever wants to go first, um, just go ahead and just explain a little bit about each of you, uh, what you've done, your experiences, and you know how you got into opening the fitting room. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll go first, I guess. Um, so I think I became a PT, what, 12, 13, pretty long, 13 years ago, um, working as a sort of freelance PT within a commercial gym. That's sort of where you pay rent to be at a gym and like then operate your own business out of that. Um, and then Steve, my brother, who was... Um, working in more finance type work and um after i've been in it for a few years he kind of liked the idea of being a pt as well um but the i think the agreement was he'll become a pt as long as the end goal was we tried to open an actual gym and weren't just pts as it were not there's anything wrong with that at all like i love being a pt still love being a pt but with the end goal of opening a gym and actually met yaz at work um as a pt as well um and then, yeah, from there we sort of built the fitting room. Yeah, I guess I guess I can add to that. So I um I came out of university and and went into finance, and um sort of saw the, the kind of um good money that David was making as a personal trainer, but also really enjoying what he did. And I had taken my CMSO financial qualifications to eventually start my own business. And thought, what what better business than to do something that both Dave and I have loved doing from a from a very early age? Uh, so I then got my PT qualification because I thought, well, you sort of need to know the nuts and bolts of the business that you're going to create first. And then, yeah, we sort of sat down, put a business plan together, and then Yasmin jumped on board as well. Yeah, I let the guys do the hard work first, and then I uh, jumped on board towards the end for the glory. There you go. That's there it is. It just let, <laughs> let them do the, the big work, and you'll just kind of hop in for the finale. I don't think that's quite fair. He hasn't a lot to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, cool. Um, so kind of, you know, it's kind of cool. You guys all, you know, pretty much ran into each other slash knew each other in a way. Um, you know, so talk to me about how did the name The Fitting Rooms kind of come into play like what, what's the story behind that um well i think we'd always well we'd always said we wanted to do something around sort of like the name tailored fitness and we kept going back to cut fit tailored fitness all this sort of stuff um and then actually we had one of our friends who's actually a school friend of steve's who worked in brand and um he was on board with us um doing a lot of our brand development in terms of well he was going to help us on all the logos and everything and i think he just called us up one day and he just said, I've got it. It's the fitting room, um, which we all loved. And we actually just turned it plural because obviously one day we want multiple fitting rooms. So it's the fitting rooms. Um, and then the fitting rooms made to measure personal training. So it's like obviously going to like a tailor's 
and getting fitted up, but we're for people, as it were. And yeah, it sort of it, it came from there effectively. Nice. Excellent, guys. And then, uh, so real quick, just kind of whoever wants to chime in on this, you know, kind of give your elevator pitch or like, you know, a, a background of what all services are offered out of the fitting rooms. And if someone were to come into your facility, what would kind of be like your initial assessment or walkthrough of, you know, converting them from prospect to a potential client or member? Um, I mean, so basically sort of our vision as the fitting rooms was to bring sort of proper structured weight training to everybody. So um, in London, one-on-one -on -one personal training is a very expensive service. Um, rightly so, you know, it's a it's a valuable service that changes people's lives. Um, and that's a service that we offer, but we also wanted to make it more accessible to other people. So we developed what we call shared personal training, which is small groups of up to four people. And we actually, we invite everyone who's interested to come in for a taster session. And we use that taster session partly so people can get a feel for, for who we are and what sort of training we do, but also we use it to assess where people are at the moment. So in terms of their goals, their technique and their strength level. And once we know that, we categorize people who want to do the shared training into different levels. Um, so people will then join a, a group session where everyone in that group is at a similar level to them in terms of goals, in terms of strength and technique. So people are kind of in these small motivating groups where they're never feeling like they're holding people back or being held back by other people. So our main two services are one-on-one -on -one personal training and then shared personal training. I think just to add on that shared personal training, I think a lot of people, they think of group training, they think, oh no, you know, in that studio area or the class area, like our oh, shared PT, you work around the gym as if you were doing a proper session with a PT around the gym, like on the hamstring curl, the lat pull down squat rack etc it's not like in one place you move around the gym as a little group together um doing what would look like a one-to-one -one person training you're just sharing it with other people yeah we even you know every single person even the shared pt clients they all have their own training program everything they do in every session is tracked and recorded um we make notes you know for the next size we had to regress it or if um they have an injury and we had to work around it you know it's very detailed information on every single client yeah, I think I think what we've tried to create with the with the shared training is we've tried to make it as similar as possible to one on one personal training. You just are simply sharing it with three other people and therefore it's bringing the cost down for that individual. So, yeah, trying to maximize everything while making it, you know, a little more affordable than. than yeah, most. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also making it, you know, quite a fun environment as well you know you've got a lot of our clients now they sort of they meet up for drinks and meals outside work like they go out socially we do socials within the gym as well like christmas parties summer party that sort of thing so it's kind of it's a fun community environment that's always the best too because especially with like pt and like small group pt you know you you want to incorporate that that community aspect because it's going to make people more you know bound to like keep coming back and they have fun with like this little small group versus you know maybe 50 people or just one-on-one -on -one completely yeah absolutely love it guys um so whoever wants to chime in on this one kind of just walk me through like you know what's the size of the facility that you guys currently have and about how many members roughly do you currently have inside of your facility Dave, okay. 
Yeah, I can I can never get the square footage right, but I think we're about two thousand a bit square foot. Does that sound about yeah, right, guys? About two thousand three hundred, I think. Yeah, so so the gym space downstairs is probably about a thousand, just over a thousand square foot, which yeah, probably sounds very small. Um, Twelve hundred downstairs, which which is is a small space, but we've used the space as well as we can. So we've got, for example, we've got three squat racks in there. We've then got one um, extra freestanding squat rack, so we're able to um, have about seven sessions going on at once. So three starting on the hour and then four starting on the half hour, because what we need to do is part of what we promise to the, to the clients is that if we've written a program for them to do, they can do that program. It's not like a commercial gym. If you're a PT in a commercial gym, um, you know, you can, you can put a program together for a client, you walk into the gym and, and everything's being used and you, you, you know, you, you have to start thinking of, two three substitutes for every single exercise to be able to go through a program with a with a client but what we offer is the ability to do exactly what has been written for you on that day so we know exactly what's going on in the gym so the logistics behind uh, the programming is is quite thorough so that um everyone is doing exactly what they're supposed to do okay um in terms of uh, client base so we we're a little bit different to other studios in terms of we offer packages okay so people you know the more the more sessions they buy the the, the cheaper they get the get the uh pt or or share pt4 but they're not tied into monthly monthly uh direct debits okay so in terms of um active clients so the way i look at active clients is number of unique people through the door each week okay so we're looking at about 140 to 150 unique unique people through through the door each week and they're generally doing on average just over two sessions a week um in terms of clients that have sessions on their account you're probably looking at more like 170 180 people who've got sessions on their client and that's you know with taking to people account people being ill people being on holiday we we look at about 140 to 150 unique clients through the door each week okay so that's more of like the 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 solid core of like who is showing up week after week yeah exactly yeah okay and in terms of you know we have we have clients that have been with us for seven years okay so you know they joined when we first opened and they're still there so we have a very loyal client base, which is what really helped us through through COVID as well. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds, um, you know, like it, it was not like a saving grace, but it was like, you know, people that have been with you from day one that creates a lot of value and they can kind of speak to like, um, you know, new people that come into the, the facility. So, yeah, no, exactly. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're our biggest cheerleaders, you know, the, the yeah. people have been there from, from, from day one um yeah and i think we we always said it was very lucky that we were five years down the line when or four four years down the line when covid hit so we we had a very very loyal client base who were willing to immediately go online with us who were willing to to go and train outside in minus seven with us you know it's harder to attract people new new people to come and come in at that, <laughs> that point 
but we had that core client base already that were willing to and trusted us, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of really quickly walk, walk me through and the listeners through, you know, like how was the experience through COVID? Obviously you took a hit. Everybody took a hit, you know, at one point in time, but you know, what was, you know, what was the worst thing out of it? And you know, what kind of maybe helped you, you know, stay afloat, I guess, in a way. Um, to be honest, um, okay. And initially obviously shut down. That was a bit of a shock. Um, moved what we could do online. I think initially we kept about probably fair to say 15 to 20% revenues running by doing things online just through zoom. Um, but what, what really got us through it was, I think it was a few weeks into lockdown and, uh, Boris Johnson just kept repeatedly online saying that he was going to allow the businesses to have a summer, like haven't no, they were going to allow businesses to have an outdoor summer. So he kept repeating like on the news on the news. And I remember like, like I woke up at like three in the morning and WhatsApped Stephen Yaz and it was just like, uh, we need to open an outdoor gym. Like, I think that's all that's going to be allowed this year. And we just spoke to, we spoke to like local, effectively what our local council, aren't they? Um, and they put in t- us in touch with a charity that owned a, um, owned a bit of playground with some lockups and, uh, yeah, we managed to open it from there. And to be honest, once that was up and running, like, I mean, to be honest, like we, we operate quite well as a business from that. Like it was super popular. Um, we got some really good, um, really good bites on some Facebook ads. We're about one of the only people in central London doing it. Um, big, big like shout out and thank you to our like PTs for doing that. Like it was brutal. Like in the summer, it was so hot with no shade in the winter. It was freezing. We were having to like rip the floor before go before doing a session just to get the ice off the floor and things like that. Um, but yeah, like as, as a whole, like, you know, and then when you say what was the worst thing, I think actually what the worst thing was, was when the businesses, they allowed businesses to reopen at the end and then all your gym facilities are back open and all your costs are back in. And then that final sort of wave of COVID hit, which yeah. the government didn't shut any businesses down for, but everyone stopped leaving their house because it was Christmas. People wanted to see their families. People were worried about their grandparents. And that was actually our biggest financial pit, I think, was that those couple of months over that Christmas. We just lost into that. Yeah, the, uh, you know, everything else was shut down or not able to, you know, be as normal. So it's like people had to adjust financially, you know, where they were spending their money, you know, if they were spending their money and things like that. So um, I know uh, throughout my time when I was, I was opening, I, w- I wasn't the owner, but I was basically like an operating partner in, in a sense. But, you know, we had to go from ground up to fully operational facility all the way throughout COVID. And it was like staffing. It was, you know, people that were like, oh, well, how many people am I going to be around? You know, like all these like things that you just, people were so like nervous and afraid. And it just made everything so much more difficult. Yeah. And again, yeah. like being outside in, you know, five degree weather or like 40 degrees Celsius, you know what I'm saying? It was just like, um, or negative, sorry. Um, but it, it was, it was definitely a challenge. And uh, so for you guys to be able to go, you know, outside and think outside the box and stuff like that, that's really cool. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that it really worked for us is that just people were so 
so desperate to do something that wasn't stare at a computer screen at home like everyone was working from home people were barely leaving their sofa or their their kitchen table and so the opportunity to go outside and do something physical and see some different faces like you know it was despite the horrific weather people were absolutely loving it because it was just a change of scenery burning off some calories um it was you know there was there was a good kind of a good feel to the to the whole thing actually being outside there with other people at a time when you couldn't do that in any other situation mm -hmm. awesome um so you know with that being said let's kind of talk you know a little bit about like goals and stuff like that you know with the current you know member base like active people that are recurring you know and you know, I mentioned here wanting to get back to numbers, you know, what's kind of like, you know, the big goal for the rest of the year, you know, like, is there a specific number that you guys want to hit? Do you guys want to expand a little bit more? Kind of walk us through like some goals here for the next year. Shall I go? Yeah. You good. yeah. Uh, so the, the number in my head is, is 200. So unique clients for this, uh, for this particular location. And then we, just before COVID, we were seriously starting to to look at another location. So where where do we want to go next in London? So the goal is, you know, January, February next year, in a position to potentially be opening up a, a second location, uh, which follows on from trying to hit the goal of two hundred, hitting sort of close to two hundred unique clients um a week and then real quick you said what was kind of like a target goal to be able to open up that second location like if you were tentatively planning for that yeah so so if we if we were if, if we'd got to a point where we're we're getting 200 unique clients through the door that will then go a very long way to being able to finance a second location just on our own um without having to go out to, to banks or or to try and raise too much capital. Yeah. That's amazing. Anybody else want to add to that or? Yeah, no, I mean, I think Steve's got it right. I think where we are now is back to where potentially we were sitting January, almost around where we were January, 2020. Um, and that it was exactly this time that we were thinking, right, we're, we're pretty much ready. We should be starting to think and look at a second location because if it still it keeps growing from where it is and retention stays how it is. Uh, we should hit those numbers where um, it's def it's a it's viable business, like very much viable, and we can start funding a second location. Um, but I think also like you know, a lot of things happened since then, like you know, um, and in terms of you know, I feel like the business runs better without us now as well. I think back in March, in sorry January twenty twenty, we were, we were the business was very dependent on on the three of us, particularly me and Steve doing literal like man hours. And we took in a huge percentage of the revenues through our own personal training, which is is nowhere near as dependent now. So I think business is actually in a stronger place than it was in January 2020. Um, maybe similar from a revenue perspective, but we're not bringing in so much of the revenues ourselves. So we're, we're definitely looking at a better place to expand from there. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so, you know, let's, let's dive into like, you know, some things that you're actively doing, you know, what's, what's currently like the, the lead driver, you know, what's, what's bringing in those people into the door right now, what's working, you know, what, what's maybe a struggle kind of walk us through that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think the biggest driver pretty much over time has been Google. 
Um, we spend a lot of money on, well, not a lot of money, but you know, we, we put a lot of effort into our, our Google advertising. Um, it's very local based. Um, you know, people don't want to travel too far from the gym. So we try and be quite specific um, with our targeting within Google. Um, so that's kind of the majority of where we, we try and generate leads from. We do a little bit on Facebook as well. Um, we do a little bit of kind of local outreach. We've kind of um, like worked in sort of had a presence in a couple of local fairs and things like that. Um, we've done sort of workshops in local businesses, that kind of thing, just kind of getting your presence out there. Um, and then obviously client referrals is always an important one. Um, uh, I think a, a huge thing, which I would probably be more on certainly this last year as well, is like just as the business gets more and more mature, your just backlog of old, your old client list is huge. And just tapping into them, especially at January, for example, like we tapped back in just um, old lists, just texting people, calling people, um, and got like a big uptick on old clients like that. So you can do that every few times a year as well. But yeah, without doubt, like Google through an SEO perspective and through pay-per-click is probably our sole biggest lead, lead gen, without doubt. Nicely put, nicely said. Um, so, you know, out of, you know, sales, you know, certain like fake uh, Google ads and stuff like that, you know, what's kind of like, you know, do you have a, a specific number that you're seeing as far as like potential new prospects every month? You know, like what's that number look like? Is it something that you're happy with? Is it something that could be a little bit better? Um, you know, kind of walk me through that a little bit too. I can always, always be better. Kind of, you always want it to be better. Um, yeah, of course. What, what is it averaging at the moment, Steve? Like so we're, we're probably, we're probably looking at around a lead a day almost uh, in terms of those leads actually coming in. You're probably looking at about four, four leads actually booking in and turning up. And then once they've booked in and turned up with our, um, uh, I guess, uh, conversion rate is almost in the, in the nineties. I mean, once, once they've committed, they've come in, they do a taster session with one of us, um, you know, eight out of 10 times at least, or nine, they're, um, they're buying. So we're picking up three, three new clients a week on average. Okay. And so just to reconfirm here, so I understand you, you said you're getting about a one lead per day into your, your studio. So, and then out of, you know, we'll say what, you got, are you guys open six, six days a week, seven days a week? Yeah, so, but, but by one lead a day, sorry, um, Steve means a in, inquiry via the website, for example. So of that, so let's say we get six or seven leads in the week. Um, of those leads, you might only have managed to convince four of them to come in in person for the taster sessions. There's a bit of a drop off there between someone um, inquiring on a website and then coming in in person. So then, like chill rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got it. So, okay. All right. So you're in, you're closing about, you said three to four. Yeah. So, so we're close about 80, 90% of, of the leads that actually come into the gym and take the session, take the taste session. Yeah. Which averages on a good month sort of three, three to four a week, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you did that, you know, anywhere, you know, anywhere from, you know, 12 to 16 potential new clients and then give or take, you know, maybe a small amount of attrition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, and you know, so obviously 
you know, we can always be better. We can always get more people. Um, you know, as far as, you know, a little bit more on, you know, marketing is, is the, are you guys doing paid marketing or, um, is it something like you're doing yourself with like the Google ads and stuff like that? Obviously you have to pay for Google ads, but, um, you know, are you doing like, uh, paid like Facebook and Instagram ads, or is it just mainly that driver with the Google and, you know, word of mouth? Uh, so we, we pay for Google ads. Um, we pay a little bit of Facebook ads. Um, we also have, you know, we've been around for a, coming up to eight years this summer. So we have very good SEO on the website. So we, we rank very highly on Google. Um, if someone's going to search for a personal trainer in London bridge, we're going to appear at the top of the page because, you know, our website ranks so highly for that. Um, so yeah, web. Yes, I guess one of your questions, I feel like you were asking if we paid for outside help marketing. Is that right? Well, yeah, yeah. If you just did like, you know, like if you had somebody that does your marketing. Yeah. So over the years, we've we've had little spells of people helping us where we paid, obviously. Uh, sometimes it's been clients um, where we've paid them in sessions and they've done a bit of like, what do you call that? Like consulting. Like consulting. Yeah, work. Um, and then we've had done a couple of spells of like almost like a, a, a mini agency. Um, but as a whole, like Yaz then sort of like sets, certainly does all of the Google and stuff like that. And then Dave handles the Facebook. Yeah. So, and then, and then, but yeah, like, so Facebook will do strange Facebook. Like Facebook's changed a lot over the years. Like, for example, when we had the outdoor gym, I mean, wow, we would, I'd do a 300 pound ad spend. Every 300 pound ad spend, I'd spend probably got 3,000 pounds worth of sales back. Facebook during lockdown um, because we had an outdoor gym in central London and the Facebook algorithms going crazy for it. Um, and these days we, we use it for more direct brand awareness. We get the odd direct lead through it, but not really. It's more just brand awareness, getting people on the website and things like that. And eventually it obviously all, it all works, but nothing like what it did early days, particularly during lockdown. All right. Excellent. Um, you know so let me kind of dive into the marketing a little bit you know you guys you said you've been doing it for like eight years um seven or eight years so you know inside you know obviously everything's evolved and changed like you mentioned facebook is like a whole nother you know animal from you know even three years ago so you know with the changes things like that where you know if you were to like take a step back and kind of look at you know like lead generation you know would there be anything that you would change and you know maybe target differently or you know um you know switch some things you know kind of walk me through you know if there's anything you would do differently when it comes to like you know certain ads that you're running out or you know ways to get new people inside the door well i mean i think we have a meeting literally every friday to discuss this so we're kind of like constantly transitioning so we're kind of like what we're doing right now is what we feel the best we could do like obviously if we had a bigger budget perhaps we'd um, we, we'd probably, what's the right word, experiment with high, higher budgets, certainly, and see if that um, worked. Uh, today, we were just talking about um, doing more actual sort of PR in terms of getting some sort of news articles and things like that. Um, so I think from the discussion today, it was really like, you know, we've never really done a full sort of PR campaign with a marketing agency. That's probably the, the bit of the element that's potentially missing for us. Would you agree with yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I would say the one thing that we've kind of learned over the years is, you know, we've said a, so much of our, um, so many of our leads come through Google, which means you're you're at the mercy of how Google 
um, behaves. Um, and, you know, we've had issues in the past where one day Google, like their, their AI technology, just wiped our business profile and we lost five years of, of Google reviews. Oh, man. Yeah. So, you know, that hit us very quickly. Um, another time we, we changed our web server and we lost some SEO ranking and that affected us. Um, and I think we've just learned, you know, we're such we are such a slave to, to how Google works that we have to be on top of it. And sometimes if we've kind of not been tracking the Google ads for a little while and we haven't noticed that their, you know, their performance has slipped and it's just kind of it's just if that's your biggest lead generator, you have to be on top of it. Um, and if you're doing that in-house like we are, it's kind of putting that pressure on yourself to stay on top of it and keep checking it and and not forget about it. Cause you know, cause you can just leave it running in the background. But, um, but that's why, you know, we introduce these weekly Friday meetings so we can stay on top of it a little bit more and check in with ourselves. Cause you know, we have to be accountable to, to each other really. And yes, yeah, just staying on top of it all the time. Yeah. If I, if I could just, if I just like loop back to that um, instant with, with Google in terms of when we lost all our, um uh, google reviews one of the things that we've learned in the past those these things happen and you've got to react to them and there's always an opportunity there as well so we use that opportunity to go out to our client base and say look this has happened we need everyone to give us a review and that as, as soon as you know someone feels like they're helping you they trust you they you know they, they want to help you suddenly we've got a whole load of new um reviews and then six months later, eventually, Google put all the old reviews back on as well. So suddenly we'd jumped to a lot more reviews than maybe we would, have, we would have had if that hadn't have happened. Because, you know, you can ask people all you like to do a review and they're like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. But then when something actually happens like that, they're like, OK, yes, of course, I'll do it. Yeah, that's the positive way to look at things, too, especially because if you think about it, I know absolutely nothing about how Google Ads works. So I'm. Um, but. You know, it's it's almost like you get all these fresh new reviews and then all of a sudden people are starting to look at your place and it's like, you know, a week ago, two days ago, three days ago, it's, everything's like five-star reviews. And it's like, okay, this is more recent. All these reviews are good. Maybe I'm going to try this out versus yeah. the last review was maybe two months ago, right? And then it's like, okay, so now maybe there's some more credibility for like newer inquiries. So there could always be that positive side of things too. So I, uh, yeah, like I mean- we we feel reviews are like a big driver of of new business for us because you know it's the first thing you do when you're going to check something out especially like something so personal as personal training um and um so yeah we we reach out to clients when we can and and ask for reviews and so often when people new leads come into us they will say you know I was looking for a gym in the area and then I saw your reviews and it felt like a really good fit for me so we know how important they are I mean, yeah. you know, you can get reviews in other places as well. Um, we've got reviews on Facebook and several other sort of London-based websites, but, you know, Google Google reviews are, are massive. Yeah, yeah, Google is like the big, you know, search engine for, you know, most everybody. So it's like, um, and they obviously Google business. So, you know, like there's what Yelp and some other, uh, you know, places out there for reviews, but <clears throat> Google definitely kind of tops the charts when it comes to those things, so... Yeah. 
um cool guys so let's you know move along here um you know loving the conversation so far you know we touched a little bit on sales a little bit on lead generation a little bit on marketing things like that you know you did mention that your retention is is very good so kind of walk me through you know like why do you feel that it is so good and is there anything special you know maybe that you focus on that keeps it high or you know what what's kind of your thoughts um well i've always said like your best retention tool is just like offering like literally that rather than like there's something specific you do to keep people there and things like that it's just offering the best service you possibly can um and drilling that into your staff uh also hiring the best staff you possibly can i think the best thing you can do is like yeah you know invest if you can afford it that little bit extra and, and, and really get the right people um people that can really build relationships with their clients um you know not just run through a training program and like you know on top of that, we we do hold, like we mentioned earlier, socials and things like that. So as soon as people start to socially integrate with both our, our, ourselves, our trainers, but also other clients, it becomes so much more sort of like, you know, fixed to a place. Like uh, Yas was saying earlier, like our clients meet up to go for drinks together. They've got their own, there's a, I know there's a TFR ladies WhatsApp group, which obviously we've got nothing to do with. It's all like organically built by the clients. Um, I know a couple of clients that go on holiday together and they've only ever met through our gym. So it's first of all and foremost, it's deliver absolute best five star service you can. You know, it shouldn't ever be a bad session. Every, you know, should be giving you all every session. But two, just creating that environment where the clients start to really merge with each other as well as you guys. And we do that through like holding parties. Um, you know, um, we've done a few sort of charity runs in the past together and things like that. Um, yeah. So, well, for me, it's that. It's obviously like you know, there's further sort of real sort of retention things people do from a marketing perspective but for me it's, it's, it's about that really it's that relationship you create with your clients and between your clients I, I think i think for me as well is that obviously with with personal training um the client forms quite a strong bond with the individual trainer that they're training with uh which is great but we do have some sort of churn with with trainers so the risk you have as a as a studio is that when a trainer leaves, suddenly you lose you lose you know 10, 10 clients that were training with that particular trainer. So you have to create a culture where the 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 um the client feels like they're training with the gym rather than just that individual trainer. So very early on with our one on one clients if they're training two or three times a week, they're, they're usually training across at least two trainers. So they get used to training with, with two people. Um, we also create layers in terms of, uh, we often do the initial taster session. So then we'll do the, the, the check-ins as well every month. So they have a personal relationship with us and also a personal relationship with, with the trainer. Uh, and therefore they're just more invested in the gym as a whole rather than just that individual trainer that they're that they're training with um and we found in the past that of course you do lose some clients when it, when a trainer goes but it's very rare that we'll lose any more than two or three clients when an individual trainer goes and quite often we we don't lose anyone because they've been used to training with other trainers whenever a trainer's on holiday we always make sure that and individual client sessions can be um, covered. So then they, they, they train with other people anyway in, in, that, in, in that particular incident. Um, 
and yeah they just get used to being in the gym as a whole rather than just with that individual trainer like i guess sort of on that subject as well and like you know that we, we you know obviously we have had you know you obviously get staff churn as natural but then obviously on that as well the, the harder we the harder we work to retain staff as well like obviously obviously helps with retention a lot um like at the moment i mean god touch touch wood but like you know but a, a pretty solid sort of running of staff at the moment um and that you notice that when you've had like a solid solid amount of time with very little staff churn obviously your intentions better so you have to sort of you you have to sort of protect yourself against it um like steve was saying in no sense but also like you know try and find opportunities for the staff um and the big big part of that and there's another great one of the biggest reasons to try and constantly push for growth in a, in a company like why well, we want a second location to show um, and try and give the staff like progressions you know you know if you've said you've worked in sort of gyms yourself before you don't want to sit there if you there's nowhere to progress upwards no absolutely so you know basically you know from my understanding it's just it's a lot of hard work and you know consistent work with just you know the members the things you're doing inside the facility you know maybe some stuff you do outside the facility and just creating really just a unique place that people enjoy truly coming to and it's always something they can talk about that's not right yeah absolutely. yeah try to create an environment where you know people come in and within you know a week or so everyone knows their name like you know everyone they walk in the door they've got four people saying hello to them they walk downstairs you know everyone's talking to each other it's kind of a friendly warm environment where you know, no one feels intimidated. No one feels about anxious about coming to the gym. Um, it's just try, yeah, like I said, just trying to be a nice environment that people want to go to. I think the rule we said to staff was, uh, no one should, uh, no one should walk past you in the gym without you smiling and, and saying hello to them. Like, you know, it's a simple rule, right? Um, but that that does wonders. Yeah, absolutely. Um, bear with me here. I don't know what's going on with my. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's good profile, but. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, hard to create an environment or, well, it's hard to create a, a bad environment if everybody else is, you know, working towards, you know, being the best that they can be and, you know, creating a good example for, you know, clients and stuff that are going in there so absolutely and we you know we try and lead by example you know like at least one of us is is pretty much there most of the time if if not two or three of us um and you know we're there saying hello to the clients we're you know trying to create a nice atmosphere in the in the gym in the reception area um yeah yeah absolutely um well, cool. Well, um, last couple of things here before we, uh, you know, kind of wrap up is, you know, I always like to ask this question and whoever wants to answer first, totally go for it. But if somebody, you know, was looking to start their own fitness industry business, you know, whether they came from scratch, have anything, don't have anything, you know, what words of advice would you give them to, you know, say, Hey, look, this is, you know, this is what it takes, or this is what it would help to start up. So whoever wants to tackle that question, feel free. Um, uh, 
I mean, I guess, like, you know, be ready to be in it for the long haul and it, you know, that's not the nice. It's going to be hard work, long hours, um, but just always focus on client first. Um, what can you do for the client? Um, what can you do to make that client's journey better? Um, and see, and it's, that's not just about the results, but obviously the results should be a massive focus, but what can you do to make that client's journey sort of more comfortable um, for them enjoy it? Um, yeah, and, you know, if you're always trying to do the best by your clients, then, you know, it's, it's going to work. Um, and then, obviously, from a more marketing or business perspective, like, I know other gym owners that would sort of say differently and push more down the social media way, but my, my advice is always, like, prioritise Google, um, work on Google, work on Google SEO ranking, work on Google pay-per-click, et cetera. That's, you know, that's what we found that works. Perhaps other people have found more social media, Facebook's um, end of it works more. But my my argument would my well my experience would be to to focus on that. Yeah, and then if I add to that, so you've got to remember it's a business as well. So we're we're very very lucky that we you know so Dave um, had a vast amount of training knowledge. Um, Yasmin had been in uh, marketing uh in a former job and and i and i'm a qualified accountant so it's really important to know your numbers as well um because you know the, the most important thing is is that you don't run out of cash um so you need to know where you're at you need to plan you need to to know how many clients do you need through that door to make it work and then you can kind of plan from there how how are we going to get those get those numbers um how much money do we need to spend on uh, uh marketing to get those numbers um otherwise yeah you can sort of just well basically run out of cash i guess it's not just a hobby <laughs> hey that's you know it's kind of like the trifecta you know yeah experience you know little bit of the financial side of things, business side of things. So it's kind of like, you know, everyone complements each other, um, you know, nicely in a way. Yeah. And I guess if you don't have that in, in your team, you, you, you've got that, you've got to outsource it. Like, you know, for example, if Steve wasn't part of this business, we, we would have to have an, an accountant that we, we used to like run numbers, we, you know, we would have to outsource that. Otherwise, yeah, you, you find yourself in a sticky situation pretty quick if you don't know when to rein in spending, et cetera, and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, you know, accountants are cheap. So, <laughs> um, and, you, and you, you need to be on the numbers each week. You need to keep yourself accountable. It's, you know, at, at the end of each week, how many sales have we made? Um, what, why, you know, how many people do we have in the door? How many sales did we make? Anyone who didn't buy, why do we think they didn't buy? What could we have done differently for them to have bought at that point? Um, you know, who's who's um who's who do we think's dropped off this week um have they been contacted uh why have they dropped off why do we think they've dropped off you know just constantly holding yourself accountable um to the actual business side of things as well yeah i guess on that is accepting a lot of that's a lot of that's manual right you can um you, you could you could run you know we've, we've done it we can do it we can run an email easily through our crm system that would email everyone who hasn't been in that week saying where are you but that doesn't work the same way as us all having a group of clients that we're responsible for 
and we text them and like onto them personally. Hey, how's it going? How was your weekend? Blah, blah, blah. Um, just seeing if we've got you in for training this week. Like it's accepting that, that that's a, a big part of the job. It's a people business and um, you don't keep it personal and use that. Um, you know, people ignore sort of emails that are just coming from a system pretty quickly. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Cool guys. Thanks for that answer. Appreciate the share. You know, a lot of our listeners will appreciate that. Um, last but not least, you know, before we wrap up here is how can people reach you? You know, if they're interested in coming and checking out the facility over in London, you know, what's the Instagram handles, websites, how can they reach out to you? Um, so the, um, the website is um, the fitting rooms dot London. Uh, the, Instagram is the underscore fitting underscore rooms. Um, but if you just search for the fitting rooms gym, then uh, in London, hopefully we should be top thanks to our good SEO. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we'd absolutely love anyone to come down to check us out. Like we said, we offer anyone a free taster session to to come and, and see what we're all about and see what we can do for you. And we, we have actually in the, in the past had quite a few guys stateside who have been over here on holiday um staying in one of the local hotels and they do come in and just train with us for three or four days just while they're on holiday and often you know it's just uh just continuing on with what they've been doing um over in the states we've also over the years had a, a couple people come in and do internships with us um so we're also always open to to people applying to um to come and and work with us for a little while to get some experience and and see how we how we run the business and and what it's like in the gym. Awesome, amazing! Thanks for sharing that, everyone. And uh, for everybody out there listening, if that uh, is inspiring and you know you want to be in the show, please please feel free to click on the link below, type in your information, uh, and we'll definitely be in touch. And for anybody out there listening, you know, that's the way to reach out to the fitting rooms and these three wonderful owners. Um, you know, feel free to stop in if you're in the area, check out their place, you know, get a free session in and, you know, become part of the family. Um, but until then, y'all, that's been another episode of the Gym Lords podcast and Gym Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily, and joining us on the show is Dom from Sheer Dominance out of New Hampshire. What's going on, Dom? How are you doing today? Doing well, and yourself? I'm good. Thank you so much for asking. Now, um, this is Dom's second time being on the show. He was on the show, was it about three years ago? Yes. Okay. So before we get into that, um, tell us a little bit about what you guys have going on at Sheer Dominance and like how you actually got into the industry and decided to start your gym in the first place. 
Yeah, so um, kind of taking it from the top. So I pretty much have always known that I wanted to own a gym since the time I was 13 years old. Uh, it was just a matter of what I was going to get into, whether it be the business or the exercise science uh, side of things. So uh, fast forward just through an athletic background of growing up and just the knowledge and base skills that I had. I ended up going to college, uh, got my bachelor's degree in sports medicine, the master's in exercise science. I'm actually accredited through the National Strength Conditioning Association, as well as a licensed certified strength conditioning specialist. Um, and just from working around uh, different gyms and different areas, commercial uh, athletic settings, I've gained a lot of experience just being in the industry. So this is now my uh, 19th year of being in the industry um, and my 10th or I'm sorry, 12th year of coaching. Um, so in regards for kind of how we got to the gym and where it is now, started off small in the sense that this is only about a 1500 square foot facility. Uh, we really try to focus on one-on-one -on -one personal training, strength conditioning, and corrective exercise. So we also do groups, athletes, non-athletes, you name it, we train it. Um, in regards for kind of how uh, the facility has built itself over time. So we did start in November of 2020, uh, kind of fresh off the pandemic. The reason for kind of starting at that point is that coming from a prior job that I didn't like, um, I had the background knowledge, I had the finances to kind of back me up and I had the drive and ambition to just want to make this successful. The way that I kind of looked at it is that, you know what, if worse comes to worse and I put my whole heart and soul into it and I lose everything, I still have an education, I could go to get another job. Fast forward, uh, we have now been here for about three years, and we have been nominated for quite a few awards across the board. Uh, we are actually recognized as the third best uh, strength conditioning gym in the state of New Hampshire, as well as uh, myself and my other coach were nominated as the top one and two best coaches across the state of New Hampshire as well. So even though we are a smaller 1,500 square foot facility, uh, we definitely can hang with the bigger dogs in terms of the bigger commercial gyms that are around the area. And we just always want to give back to our clients for giving us the opportunity to give us like the chance to do what we love. So uh, I guess that's kind of how uh, the shortened version as to how how we started, how we got here, and just kind of keeping things rolling. So yeah, man. Well, you know, congratulations on all your success thus far. That's I appreciate cool. it. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So tell us a little bit about because you started your gym like sounds like maybe six months after we we're still technically in a pandemic, right? Yeah. You know what COVID was, where exactly were you like with your business six months ago? And then we'll kind of talk through some of the things that have been happening over the past three years. I'm sorry. Can you actually repeat that question and cut out a little bit? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. So where were you in 2020 of November with your business? And then okay. we'll talk, like I'll, I'll ask you some questions and we'll kind of talk to you like, what you've learned, some of the some of the changes and positive growth that you've seen over the past three years. Yeah, no, absolutely. So in regards for kind of where I started in plant business back in 2020, um, so I did start in November of 2020. I was working at uh, another gym prior, and just through um, like experiences and things of that caliber, uh, my last job kind of just started to go downhill. So before it kind of sank any more than what it did, I befriended another coach that I also worked alongside with kind of gave him the inside scoop to the game plan as to what I had in store and asked him if he wanted to come and just work for me. And ever since then, it's been just the two of us just kind of running the show. So in regards for where we were uh, during COVID times, even when gyms shut down back in March, 
my clients uh, did not shut down. They actually came to the extent of coming to trade at my house. We would do online trainings. I would go to people's houses. Um, I never stopped working during COVID. Uh, the reason being is because if I had the opportunity to get to this point as to where I was, I didn't want there to be a stop in financial income to possibly slow down or delay this process. I didn't have any plans of opening at the beginning of COVID or at the beginning of the year. But again, um, when you have a dream and you have ambition and passion, it doesn't matter if there's a co if there's a pandemic, finances, whatever the case is, if you want something bad enough, you're willing to do whatever it takes to make it work. So the way that I kind of took that approach is that after COVID um, or after the, the spike of COVID, probably around the time of June, when gyms opened back open again, I ended up going back to work and I was the only coach for about three months to ever be in that facility with a gym that had about 13 other trainers. Uh, the first day the gyms opened, I went back and I worked my first 15 hour shift. So in regards to my clientele, I have had a numerous amount of clients um, throughout the years. And because of just my dedication to my craft, my clients have stayed with me. Uh, I'm dedicated to them because they give me the opportunity to do what I love. So if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be able to call myself a strength coach, have the facility that I have, or be in the predicament that I currently am in. So it definitely, all the credit for sure goes back to them. Yeah. Shout out to your clients. So when you open your gym, did you have some clients to kind of carry over? Yes, or I did. did you, so, did yep. So all my clients, um, when I was at my prior job, um, a lot of my clients did not want to re-sign their contracts to trained through the gym but they still wanted to train with me directly so we worked out a negotiation that they would still be able to maintain their gym memberships but not have to go through the gym in order to get training services they would just go through me instead fast forward uh my clients loved it and they just kept growing and growing and growing um during my time at the last facility I actually, there's three of the facilities, it's a chain, and I actually had the most amount of clients out of all three facilities with, I believe, at one point, the most amount of clients, I had about 152 clients. Uh, and the next most under that was probably closer somewhere to about 40. Um, the reason for that is just because I love what I do and I love to work and I love just being in the gym. So I don't care if you want to bury me with people from like four o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. If people want to come in and train as long as they show up, I'm here and ready to go. Um, and that's kind of how that helped me financially get to the point as to where I was. Um, everything that I pretty much did from the time that I started training back at 16 years old, I'm now 28 years old. Um, everything I did was just cut in half and I would save and keep a very small percentage of my paychecks for myself just to meet my living expenses. If you do that for nine years, it's going to build up or I'm sorry, 12 years, um, it's going to build up. So in short, I ended up having the finances to be able to open my whole facility. I don't owe any money to anyone. The only thing that I have to cover now is just the cost of my employees, my rent, utilities, and that's pretty much it. Um, and then obviously now, including myself, I do pay myself as well, which has been a great opportunity to say that I work for myself. It's actually been the longest job that I've ever had, which is really cool to say, uh, working for yourself is the longest thing you've ever done. So it, again, definitely a long road to get here. Uh, but as long as you have a plan and you have passion, you can pretty much do anything. So, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about growth. 
Um, in the marketing realm specifically, let's start with something that didn't work as well as you thought it would when it comes when it comes to bringing people in the door. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually aligned myself with a search engine optimization company. I dumped in over $11,000 into the company and uh, they had made a lot of false promises. And in short, I actually did not get even so much as one person out of it. Um, and that was by paying a company weekly to do my marketing, media, advertising, uh, generate leads. Uh, they didn't do anything for me. I pretty much had to do all the work for myself. So I pretty much spent $11,000 and have nothing to show for it. Um, so one thing that I've definitely taken into account is that if you want something done and done right, just do it yourself. Uh, you can't really trust or rely on other people to kind of help you get to that point. Um, I know it sounds a little harsh, but at the end of the day, as long as it, it's something that you truly care about, then you'll make the time and you'll figure out on how to do it on your own. Yeah, man, I'm sorry that you had um, a bad experience with whatever company it was. Yeah, no, it was really, it was really unfortunate. Uh, it almost got into legal litigations. Uh, there was a pretty big fallout with the company for sure. Uh, just a lot of false promises and a lot of lies. So it was really tough to kind of stomach that there are people that will manipulate small business owners just for their own personal benefit. Um, but at the end of the day, once you kind of learn um, what some of the tactics are with these people, it's a lot easier to kind of see through. And again, um, I rather... Uh, give everything that I have trying to make something work is again, trying to have to rely on someone or have to pay X amount of money in hopes just to possibly get someone. I'd rather uh, do something for myself where I know if it flops, it's on me, uh, but I won't make flopping an option. So uh, yeah. as long as you don't do that, then you're pretty much set in stone. So, yeah. So, I mean, on the flip side, there are obviously benefits to hiring an expert and outsourcing things that you don't necessarily have like the knowledge about yet. So I guess in retrospect, looking back on your experience with the company, what would you have done differently? Would you have vetted them a little bit better? Um, because there are good companies out there, right? There are. Um, honestly, with that prior company, I probably just would have not uh, associated myself with them. I yeah. would have went through probably a smaller uh, company, maybe like a singular person, um, mm -hmm. just so that way there's not as many businesses that they kind of have to like um, kind of consist with and just kind of pertain to and things of that nature. So I definitely would say that in regards for um, things that I would do differently, probably just going with a smaller uh, resourceful person that again, doesn't have to divide their time amongst multiple companies, but right. um, one that's just kind of more so strictly focused on just my company and the, the basic needs that I need. So. Right. so really just, you know, figuring out like, what is the best fit for me? Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. So I know we were talking about, I think we were talking about this like pre-interview Word of mouth, you say, has been really amazing for you guys in terms of bringing new people in the door? Absolutely. Uh, word of mouth has definitely been the biggest way as to how we've recruited most of our clients. We have managed to expand about triple the amount of our clients over the last three years. Um, so in regards for, um, actually, I'd probably even say more than triple. I probably would say even uh, 10 times the amount of clients. So when we first started off here, I only had about six clients that actually transitioned. Uh, now I probably have closer anywhere between 50 to 
between anywhere from 50 to 75 that I see on a week. I know that 25 is kind of a big gap, uh, but honestly, things happen. Life happens. Uh, totally understand. So again, I usually try to keep it. And so I at least am seeing uh, the bare minimal of that amount of clients per week. So that's a lot of clients. It so is. between 50 and 75 people a week. Yep. So between 50 to 75 people a week. Okay. And how many sessions do like, are you, do your clients simply get with you every week? Um, they will do a good amount. Um, so we have anywhere from one time a week up to 30 minutes up to someone that will come in uh, five times a week for an hour a day. So we get a wide variety in terms as to how often they want to come in. So in regards for that, a lot of the clients, um, they typically will average about maybe two to four times per week that they like coming in. And again, because it's a smaller facility, it's not like your bigger commercial gym in the sense of like having to go through um, like like pushy salesmen and things like that. Uh, this is a very warm, welcoming community. We really try to focus on that here just because I don't want people to feel as though they're intimidated or they feel as though they don't have a place that they can go to that's comfortable for them. Everyone should be able to work out in a comfortable environment. And that's definitely something that we strive on and really believe uh, in full force here. So, yeah. Yeah. So are you guys just doing the like straight one to one personal training or do you also have group training as well? So we do have group training. We do one on one fitness. Uh, the one on one tends to be probably the most popular thing that we have here. We do have group training, but it's more so with our athletes than anything else, whether it's athletes training for the same sports, specific sports, uh, things of similarity, kids that are in the same high school together, whatever the case may be. Uh, the group stuff is definitely more, I would say, uh, popular for our athletic population. And then with our general gym goers, uh, just the typical one-on-one -on -one sessions are pretty much uh, the more popular thing here. So we've tried in the past to do classes and things like that, but honestly, just really never caught. So we kind of just stick to our roots of what the people want and what we're good at. And it's been great ever since. I got you. So with you training somewhere between 50 and 75 people a week, like how are you keeping track of everything or what systems uh, do you have in place? So I actually do everything by hand. Uh, I am extremely old fashioned. I actually handwrite all my programs. I handwrite my schedule. Uh, I do nothing online. Uh, the reason being is because if God forbid a computer were to ever crash and I didn't have access to any of my files, how am I supposed to train people? Um, so that's kind of number one on top of the fact that um, by doing things by hand, I have a higher likelihood of being able to remember what we did prior. And on top of that too, um, I just get... When you get to know your clients, you start to get to know a lot about them, whether they're baselines, ailments, anything that you could possibly think of. And that's how I'm able to accommodate to my clients. This isn't necessarily like a gym that you're going to come into and get like, um, like a kind of like a, I want to say a trendy workout or like a hit workout or anything like that. This is definitely customized fitness uh, to a whole new experience. Uh, and the reason that I say that is because what you give one person is not going to be the same that I'm going to give someone else. Everybody is different. So everybody deserves to have a program that's most accommodating to them. Yeah. So really just providing that tailored touch or individualized feel for everybody. Exactly. And there's a lot of places that would be so that you'd be surprised that they don't do that. Uh, a lot of people say that they will, but if you take, no one's really thought to ask, uh, just looking at other people's programs in the sense of, oh, like if I have a program, you have a program, like I wouldn't think 
we probably wouldn't think to ask each other to look at each other's programs if someone said they're customizable to us. Um, a lot of times people will say that as a selling pitch and a selling point. Uh, reality is, is that the chances are they're getting the exact same copy of whatever the other person is doing. So yeah. the reason that I say that is because I actually give our sheets and our programs to our clients because if they are learning why we're doing what we do, there's a higher likelihood that they're going to do it. It's going to help them to stay more consistent because they can track their own results and they're going to be able to see and follow the changes as they start to kind of come into play. So um, again, definitely a very old fashioned um, business model and style, but it works and it's been going great ever since. So I'm going to ask you a question about that. Yeah. Um, just to see where your mindset is about that. Because I mean, like you're spending, it sounds like you're spending a lot of energy every day uh yes oh, and no uh yes and no. You, yes and no uh it is a lot of work um however as long as you plan ahead then it's really not that bad a lot of it just comes down to time management as to how you're going as to how you're going to manage your time so uh just about every point of my day is totally planned out um from training my clients. In addition to owning a facility, I'm actually a full-time rugby head coach as well. So I coach two different teams outside of here. So between, uh, and on top of that too, I actually do uh, competitive bodybuilding. So between training clients, bodybuilding, rugby, uh, you have to have your life totally mapped out to an absolute T to make sure that you're eating all your meals, you're getting all your workouts, you're training all your clients, and you're going to your practices. So um, it's nothing out of any type of routine as like much as waking up in the morning to shower and brush your teeth. Um, once you have something that's engraved into a routine, it doesn't matter how motivated that you are. Uh, I always tell people that don't be motivated, be consistent. The reason being when you're motivated, motivation is just an emotion. Emotions change all the time. Happy, sad, mad, angry, whatever the case may be. Even on those days that you may not feel motivated, as long as you're consistent because something is built into an established routine, you're still going to do it even on those days that you may not feel motivated. So yeah. that's I, a I definitely agree with those last few lines that you said, mm -hmm. um, for sure. So, I mean, so with the systems that you have in place, very old school, um, keeping track of everything by hand, have you ever thought about change, changing the way that you do things to make them wow. either more efficient quicker time uh i have tried and it has not played in my favor in the sense of trying to do things online uh trying to track programs online i have tried uh several times um realistically i'm just not very i'm just not very good with the online forum of uh like of it so whether it's trying to do programs online the amount of time and energy and effort that it takes me to try to figure out to change my format is time that could be taken away from actually doing stuff that I know I could get done quicker if I just did it by hand. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of the way that I look at it. Um, I know that many other people are going to probably think a little bit differently in the sense that obviously technology is meant to kind of help advance things and make it quicker. Uh, but again, because of my schedule and how uh, how my time is so restricted, um, I rather stick to something that I know that I can get done in a reasonable amount of time, as opposed to even though, yes, a computer may be quicker, it's going to take me longer just to try to figure out what to do. So that's kind of the biggest reason as to why I've kind of groundstoned uh, the way that I do things in a sense. Yeah. So, I mean, as you know, 
as I'm sure you know, the fitness industry in the world is evolving every single day. Absolutely. So are there any things that you're either doing on a day-to-day basis as a business owner with marketing, social media, and just how you run your business in general that you think will have to evolve as well? As right now, no. And the reason that I say that is just because um, I go through a list of things that I always have to make sure are completed and done for the business and itself. Uh, In addition to that, so I actually have three different lists of personal goals, business goals, and fitness goals. So I make sure that I kind of just go through my pecking order in terms of my checklist. And as long as everything gets done as to what I need that day, that week, and whatever the case may be, whatever I have kind of plotted out, then chances are we're set in stone. I'm really good uh, with time management and just holding myself accountable to the things that I need to get done with prioritizing. So um, again, like any business owner, it's going to be a lot of work. Yes. However, I much rather be doing the work for myself as opposed to um, a commercial gym or someone that just doesn't appreciate the time and value that I'm putting into all the work that I'm doing. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. Like, so you go through like, yeah, three different lists. And one of them is like things that you need to do for sheer dominance. Yep. What are some of the things that you do on a day-to-day basis to keep the needle moving forward? Uh, honestly, just program, social media. Um, those are probably the biggest two as of right now. Um, just because everything else is pretty much squared away. And again, um, you can only control so much. Um, And then in terms of like marketing, advertising media, making sure that we have kind of like, we actually have a social media calendar that is listed for every single day um, in terms of giving us a topic of what we're going to discuss for our social media, what we're going to promote, what our promotions are, uh, target audiences, demographics, you name it, we kind of like make sure that all of our I's are dotted and our T's are crossed just to make sure that again, um, there's nothing that's going unnoticed or unmissed throughout the course of the day or the week for that matter. I got you. Uh, I can definitely tell that you're very, very organized. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So as we come to a close here, just a few more questions for you. Um, Mm -hmm. Tell us about like, where do you want to take your business? So next year around this time, um, what will make you proud in terms of how the gym has grown? Staying open. Uh, that's kind of the name of the game at this point. So we're in a very, I won't say a comfortable spot, but we're in a very, we're in a very good spot in the sense as to like how things are going. We are making profit. We're doing very well for ourselves. Um, every month that I'm able just to pay my bills and make my rent, which I haven't had issues with yet. Um, it means it was a good month. And in regards for like profitable income and hitting numbers and margins and things like that, um, my, like I said, as long as my basic needs are met, um, I don't really care about the other finances that come in. Um, just because I just want to make sure the business is taken care of, my employees are taken care of, and that's pretty much it. Anything in regards for me and myself, um, I will take care of myself after, and I'm totally okay with doing that because at the end of the day, there's nothing, there's no paycheck that can give me any gratification or happiness as to what my job actually makes me. Um, and that's just something that I've always said since the first day that I opened. Um, I'm not a, mon- a money hungry person. Um, I do what I do because I love it and I have passion for it, not because it just pays the bills. Um, obviously, it's a great asset to it. 
but it's not everything. Uh, money is not everything. Uh, I've always been a firm believer in that. So I rather I rather never take a paycheck and do what I do every single day because I love it as opposed to be totally rich and hate what I'm doing. So, which is in a sense, kind of how my last job kind of started to downfall. Uh, I was making great amounts of money. I didn't have to pay overhead utilities, nothing. Uh, I was making a killing off of just training clients, but I was doing it for people that didn't appreciate my value, didn't value my worth, um, kind of bone sucked me dry and just didn't really care. Um, so again, I was financially, I was doing great, uh, but I was absolutely miserable. And so because of that, it doesn't matter how much you have in finances, Finances cannot buy happiness uh, unless you buy a gym, then maybe that's different. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no. So uh, it's been, um, besides that though, that's kind of really it. I'm a pretty, pretty humble and grounded person in the sense that um, I just try to give what I can to my clients because at the end of the day, um, if it weren't for them, there wouldn't be a me. And if it wasn't a me, there wouldn't be a gym. So it really just kind of comes full circle all the way back to them. Yeah. Well, we're going to end it uh, at that statement. Well, if it wasn't me, could you repeat that one more time? Yeah, no, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for them, there wouldn't be a me. If it wasn't for me, there wouldn't be an us. And that's kind of like, it's kind of it. Um, like I said, we are, we are a very strong tight niche community here. So I'm actually Italian. Uh, so like we have a funny saying that we call ourselves the sheer dominance mafia. The reason being is that we are a very tight niche group of people that are willing to go to bat for each other and only wanting to cheer on for each other's success. And that's kind of, um, that's not something you're going to find in a commercial gym or anywhere around here. So just having that camaraderie built around you and just surrounding those, surrounding it with like-minded individuals like yourself, uh, it can, it can do magical things. It really can. Yep. Well, Dom, this is a really good place for us to wrap things up on this episode. But before we sign out, please tell our listeners where they can find you. Uh, so we are located at 121 Main Street in Salem, New Hampshire. Please feel free to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at just Sheer Dominance. Um, my personal page is just DomD7631. Um, again, we are here at Sheer Dominance Strength Performance, Salem, New Hampshire. Uh, if you're a local, feel free to come by and check us out. If not, uh, and you get to listen to this episode, please feel free to message us with any comments, suggestions, whatever the case may be. We love hearing from you guys. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time and contributions to the podcast and definitely looking to looking forward to seeing what you guys are going to get to continue to accomplish down the road. Thank so, you very much. You're welcome. To everybody who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord. Oh. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. 
You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lawrence Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us on the show today, we have Suzanne and Arturo from Hard Knocks Gym, joining us from Phoenix, Arizona. Guys, how are you today? What's going on? Doing great. We're doing well. We're uh, probably a lot warmer than most of you oh, in, the, in the country. A whole <laughs> lot warmer in Phoenix yeah. than than certainly in New York. That's for sure. Yes. This this time of year, at least. Guys, I'm excited to dig into this. I, I, I'd love to pick your brain on the business side and all that you guys do day to day to attempt to grow hard knocks. But before we do that, before we get into that whole conversation. Give us a bit of background and, and context on what this is. For people listening that aren't familiar with you guys or with the gym, how do you describe Hard Knocks in your own words? Um, well, we'll start off. Um, Hard Knocks has been around since 1996. Um, my husband and I, he is a retired professional boxer. And he actually attended Hard Knocks Gym um, as one of the original members um, right around that time. His coach was the former owner. Mm. Um, and then, you know, as time went on, his coach decided he was going to retire. So um, he was going to close the doors of the gym and shut it down. And then he and I had the opportunity to take it over. So we've been, um, we've owned Hard Knocks for about eight years now. Mm -hmm. Years, Yeah. So um, his background is in personal training and and um, boxing, and my my background is in finance and accounting. So I manage. The, he the runs the gym. Duo. Here we yeah. go. Okay, and so fitness background, a little bit more business background. Combination makes sense for us to take over. I wanna I wanna explore the idea of transitioning from client to owner and your perspective on all of that and your experience, what, what now looking back with the hindsight that you do, what went well during that transition and what would you might've done differently? You know, I think the, I think the thing that went well was starting to introduce a classroom setting. Cause I definitely think this generation is they just need the light, the leadership, the guidance. They're, they don't seem like they're as self-motivated, self-driven as um, as our generation, our generations before us. So to tell them, you know, just come in, start working, start doing stuff, just kind of left it a little bit empty, a little bit, um, a little bit vague. And well, we just became a house of babysitters, you know, and people would come in here and a lot of times they'd be here for hours and hours, but not really doing anything. So I, I would definitely say making that transition from just having an open gym to having a class-oriented facility. Yeah. And so now, I mean, looking back, you mentioned it was eight or so years ago since you guys had taken over. Reminisce on that time for a minute. What's been your favorite part about owning a business? What's been the most challenging part about owning a business? Um, I think for me, my favorite part is um, owning a business, being able to have the flexibility um, that 
we can have if you know we we do have a family we have some kids so if i needed to leave and you know rush home and take care of my daughter i'm i'm able to do that that's nice having that flexibility but it's also a double-edged sword because it's not an eight to five you know turn it off and turn it on um you know it's it's an all day sometimes things happen in the night the alarm goes off or something and uh here we go. Got to get out of bed and rush to the gym. So, you know, having the <laughs> so responsibility. So the pros are the of... same as the cons in this sort of <laughs> yes, scenario. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Got it. Now, you mentioned uh, having to rush out of bed, having to be the person that answers the call in all of these things. Talk to us about the last couple of years here. Obviously, COVID is, is a piece of this that we had to talk about. How was your business affected by that? And, and how do things look now as compared to early 2020 or, or late 2019? You know, I think that um, being a boxing gym and being a, a former competitor, you learn how to adjust on the fly with a lot of things. And, you know, you just kind of learn how to... Um, you know, how to take in what's going on and assess it and figure out how do you perform better in, in the midst of it all. And for us, I mean, I had background in, in personal training and, and I said, well, we can't open up the full gym to a lot of people, but we can open up to one at a time. And once we started doing that, that really got that rolling and people started realizing you go to a boxing gym and you don't have to learn how to box. You go there and you could learn how to you know, slim down, how to get bulkier, how to build your confidence, how to, you have so many different options, but by making that, that pivot for us, it just give us a different um, variety of clientele to start working with, how to start working with higher end um, business clients, how to get um, people around who want to take competing more serious and them having that one-on-one time was a huge benefit for us. Okay. Yes. So like with COVID, we were uh, here in Arizona, we had to close for nine months. So that was painful. Um, That was very, very painful. So what we, what we decided to do since, you know, we had to close is we did personal one-on-one training instead. Um, People would much prefer to just come in and work one-on-one with someone and, you know, um, just be in the room by themselves. And, and that ended up really saving us. Yeah. Yeah. From a financial standpoint, nine months of overhead, but nine, not months. nine months of revenue at that point. Uh-huh. So yeah. we had to, we had to get a little creative with how we were able to generate any kind of income at that point. After that guys, uh, I, beyond that nine months, so many people tune into our show just to hear how other people are finding new clients. How are they getting people to come back to their gym? From a marketing standpoint, what's been successful for you guys? What maybe hasn't been so successful to to drive some new interest? Social media. Yeah. Social media, social media, and branding. If you're not getting your name out there, getting your brand out there, make sure that people know that you're there. If they're not seeing you on social media, especially in in this generation, you don't really exist. It's not our mom and dad's generation where you want to go to a website, you want to, no, you, with this generation, if you're not seeing them on um, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, um, Twitter, um, uh, TikTok, those, Snapchat, TikToks, yeah, it. 
if if you're not doing it, yeah. you're not being seen. You're not being relevant. Mm-hmm. And we've hired. How do you, how do you guys so- feel about that? Is that something that you enjoy, <laughs> or is that something that you no. have to do? You you know it, it's it's a it's a hate hate relationship. We hate doing it. <laughs> we hate everything about it. You know, but we'd hate closing the doors even more. So yeah, it, it, it becomes that simple. Yeah. Well, we've hired Wait. some young people to step in and help us and run our okay. social media. Sure. So that's actually um, been very helpful. Um, right. That and also networking. Um, we're always out there. We go to events. We try to meet people. We try to um, get involved in the community. Um, you know, all of that. So between social yeah. media and networking, it's it's really helped. So, so two routes, if I'm understanding properly. The digital side, still somewhat networking. Yeah. Social media, various platforms of choice, networking in person, shaking hands, kissing babies, yeah. getting out into communities, doing whatever that actually entails. On the social media side of things, is this organic? We're putting out content, we're, we're utilizing the platform as it's designed, or have we put advertising dollars into this to, to try to expand that reach or some combination of both? haven't done any advertising dollars at all. It's Nothing. and okay. it's a discussion right now that maybe we start doing that. But with that, we've we've seen good success. Um, of course, you you start looking at that and going, okay, so if I throw a little money out of that, is my return gonna be just as good? So <laughs> that's that's the kicker right there. I ask uh-huh. because because I talk to a lot of people in your position, guys, and and it's interesting because I speak to some who are pro in favor, I put a dollar in and, and got $3 back and it went wonderfully, or I put a dollar in and I got nothing back and I'm really jaded yeah. about it. And so yeah. It, can, yeah. it can be a challenge and it's not easy. Like you said, we're not social media champions to begin with mm-hmm. to know how to quote unquote hit the jackpot on these kinds of things. It can be a, it can be intimidating. And so I, I don't blame you one bit. Take me to the next step here, guys. We're getting leads from from whatever source, social media, out in the community, wherever they came from. Walk me through what happens between that moment that they reach out and when they actually sign up. What happens at all of those steps in between? Um, Really, when people, um, whether they call me, whenever they get in contact with us, um, whichever way, Um, I really just try to talk to them first and see what they're looking to do. You know, why, why boxing? Um, Why do you want to get into boxing? Is it physical fitness? Are you looking to compete? Um, Do you just like the workout? What, what is it? And then from there, um, I really just try to encourage them to come in, try a free, a free class, um, come in, see our facility, um, and that's about it. So they'll come in, they'll do a free class and really they just, they tend to really like it. Um, one thing that really helps us though is because we have the longevity of being around so long, um, people recognize the name Hard Knocks. Um, you know, it's been around for 25 years. So a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I remember you from this location or that location. And um, that really, really seems to help. So sure. Okay. And so- all things considered, we're trying to steer people just to come to the facility first and foremost. We want you to yeah. get your hands on it and, and test drive, if you will. Yes. From there, 
we sit down and have a little bit more in-depth conversation about here's membership options, A, B, this works best for you. Is that correct? Yes. Uh -huh. Okay. Beyond that, right? Hypothetically, this person signed up. We have a new member. You guys have been doing this for eight plus years now. And so there's data enough to speak to this. What do you guys focus on to keep people around as long as they can? How are we retaining with best practice? You know, I think number one, it starts by you got to have a good identity within your gym. I mean, you know, between identity and community makes a huge difference. We we run a small gym, so it's very family oriented. I mean, we want okay. everybody to come through the doors and, you know, we want you to feel like you're to date myself we want you to feel like you're walking into the old cheers bar you know everybody everybody's gonna <laughs> everybody say your name and your remember name. who you are <laughs> yeah you know there we we just we want you to feel like you're you're somewhere that you want to be that mm -hmm. you're around a bunch of friends that you're with people that you might that you may or may not see that often but when you do see them it, it makes a difference for you Got to be around people who have similar interests, either they're wanting to get in better shape, they're wanting to feel better about themselves, they they might just need to have more people around them who who will share and caring for. Them. Yep. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's an important discussion because we could have the conversation all day long of how do we sign up new people, what is the latest and greatest strategy. But if those people are leaving just as quickly, then we have bigger issues, right? And mm -hmm. so hot button topic nonetheless. Now, our, our conversation, guys, has stemmed from how'd you get here? What do things look like now? Paint me a picture of the future. Where is this all going? What, what, are, the, what are the goals that we're looking to hit as time goes on? So, so this is all me because I'm the dreamer. Um, the visionary. I'm very, here we go. very optimistic visionary. on everything. So the stage is yours. Or, for me, we're looking at expansion. I, I would love to see at least two, possibly three more um, Hard Knocks gyms here in um, Arizona. And then I want to go out of Arizona, it, you know, and a perfect dream if everything went the way it's intended to be, then we'd have a, a spot in every state in the country. I mean, it's, it's just a, a matter of we have a service we're very service oriented and because that we want to be able to, to provide to everyone yeah now here's the the fun part obviously we're not going to go from this location to one in every state that's probably a big leap uh -huh. how do we what what needs to happen in your mind to go from one to two what's that first step look like you got to learn how to reinvent the will I mean, you know, you we have a product here that is being successful. So now we have to make sure that, in my opinion, the ones who we're teaching here, we need to be able to get a couple of them who want to continue in this industry. They love serving others as well and help them to um, start up the next location and give that same love and nurturing to that um, spot. And if that works then the next one's going to work and the next one's going to work and the next one's going to work it's yeah. just no, no that's what i mean is is like the, the hardest step is to go from one to two two to three three to yeah. four we've already got proof of concept and we can we can make it happen getting to that second one it's going to be 
the, the interesting part. Mm -hmm. Now for you guys, with all of that considered, currently we're a small business in the fitness space in the US. What do you perceive to be some potential challenges or potential things that you'll have to overcome here in the, in the near future as business owners? Mm -hmm. um, of course, number one challenge is always going to be how do you keep getting people through the door and how do you keep them staying in the house? You know, that, that's always going to be your biggest, your biggest challenge, no matter what. Um, and, and then it becomes staying relevant, saying, being willing to shift and change with, with time and, and adapt to, to the continued new way of life, because it, it's going to always change. Although at its core, it's going to be the same. I mean, no matter what, we're still teaching fitness. We're still teaching how to sweat, how to get tired, how to love and hate your trainer. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's yeah. just what it is. Yeah. Principles are principles. But uh, but how we take action on that, I'm sure will continually evolve. It's a fun conversation, guys. And, and I mean, you've been doing it for eight years. So something must be going right. We must know something. We must know more today than we learned or than we knew eight years ago. But. I think the the challenge of the entrepreneur is to constantly be a student of the game and figure out how do we, like you said, how do we stay relevant? How do we stay on top of everything that we have to stay on top of? It's a great place for us to begin to wrap our conversation up, but I want to save a minute or two for you guys to tell people where they can learn more about Hard Knocks. Is there a website? We've already talked social media. Where can people find you guys and connect with you? Um, yeah, you can find us on all social media platforms. Um, right now, our website is under construction. We actually um, just hired somebody else to redesign it for us. Um, so it is down temporarily, but it it should be right back up. Um, by the, the time next... this airs, it'll be Yeah, back. by the time this airs <laughs> in the next week or so. Um, they can always give us a call, text us. Um, yeah. Or if you're out and you want to go see the next big boxing events here in Arizona, um, we work with the largest uh, boxing promoter, um, Iron Boy Promotions. So you can always catch us at one of the shows. Um, amateur shows, we're pretty much at all the amateur shows in Arizona as well. Um, yeah, you'll see us. Connect with Arturo and Suzanne on all of those platforms that you mentioned. Guys, this has been fun. I, I always enjoy these types of conversations and getting to look under the hood of, of what the business actually looks like. I'm excited to see what the future holds for you guys. We're eight years in, but it still sounds like we're excited to, to make moves in business. So yeah. I can't thank you enough for coming on and, and I wish you guys nothing but the best. Well, thank, thank you. you. Absolutely. To everyone who tuned in, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you would like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. 
Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.